0: Talk a little bit this morning about being thankful Uh, we can't lose track that this is a privilege uh, that we get to do what we do and uh, I want us to be grateful for it I am certainly every week that I get to step into a church uh, I am thankful very thankful I'm not gonna have you standing alone Genesis chapter 45 verses 25 through 28 I want to say what an honor it is to be here I give honor to your pastor and his wonderful family Um, I want to say how thankful I am to the congregation uh, because pastors uh, get honor and they deserve the honor and they, they deserve to be recognized and preachers I'm not taking away from that uh, but the reality is there is no church if there are no people uh, you can have a pastor and you can have uh, singers and but if there's nobody the lights don't turn themselves on uh, and so I, I'm thankful for faithful people that are uh, don't have to hold a title, that don't have to have a position, but they're just thankful that God let them live another day. I'm thankful for that. Genesis chapter 45, verses 25 through 28. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, It is enough. My son is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Let's talk about the last two scriptures. When he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob revived. Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. It is enough. I want to preach to you with your help and the help of the Lord this evening. The day a nation spoke. The day a nation spoke. Can we pray before we're seated? Most gracious and heavenly Father, we love you. I'm thankful for the goodness and mercy for it surely followed me all of the days of my life. God, when I didn't walk with you, you walked with me, God. When I was unworthy, you still loved me, and I'm thankful for that. God, I ask that you anoint us tonight, God. We're nothing without your anointing. In the name above every name, in Jesus' name. Could somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise this evening as you're being seated? Amen. I'm a firm believer that we are living in a day of revival. Uh, I don't believe that revival is a thing of the past and I don't believe uh, that it's only coming in the future, but I believe revival is right here and right now. We have a belief that revival is just a couple scheduled services or that revival is just a phrase and cliche often used to pump us up, but the definition of revival is the improvement in the condition or strength of something or someone. So let me remind someone tonight that Revival's not just a few scheduled services. Revival's uh, not in the songs that we sing. Now you got to understand. Uh, I believe you can go to heaven singing "I Fly Away," and I believe you can go to heaven singing "Waymaker." Uh, I believe that's a subject that is way too much thought about in our church uh, today of what songs we're singing. We sometimes I feel that we are wasting time uh, uh, fighting heaven or hell issues on what kind of song because uh, the song is not revival. Uh, the band is not. Not revival do you want to know what revival is uh, revival is you uh, you are revival uh, this building is not the church uh, but we are the church this building uh, is where the church gathers to enter its gates with thanksgiving uh, and its courts with praise but this building is not the church uh, you are the church uh, so what is revival uh, revival is when somebody strengthened and uh, their spirit And many people talk about how the former revivals were better and how yesterday was a brighter day. Now, you got to understand, I appreciate the past. I appreciate Acts chapter 2. I appreciate Azusa Street. I appreciate the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I appreciate those days. But I refuse to get so caught up in yesterday that I can't have revival today. Now, I'm not a rude individual. Uh, I'm an honest individual, and I, and I don't get ill. You know, my mama tells me all the time, I don't know. She, she tells me, she says, I promise me. And she said, I promise you, you are not. Uh, she said, I, I don't know if I mistakenly adopted you because everybody in my family has got a short temper, and I'm kind of a calm individual. I've tried punching the wall. And I've tried all that, and it just hurt me worse, than it hurt the person I was mad at. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't get ill, but I, I, have, a, I have heard so much. Uh, being a young preacher, I have heard it over and over and over again. We can't have revival like we used to. Revival just isn't as good as it used to be. And there's one thing, I'll preach about it in a little bit in this message. I can't stand a negative attitude around me. I, that's something I, I absolutely cannot stand. And so this, this one brethren caught me on the wrong day. Uh, I wasn't ill, I was tired. And uh, he came up to me and he said, Uh, Brother Rogers, I I just don't believe uh, that that we're just not having revival like we used to have. And I looked at that man, usually when I'd say, yes, sir, we'll do our best, we'll try, yes, sir. I looked at him and I said, then what am I doing here? And it caught him off guard. I said, I ain't here. I'm not 400 miles from home because I just wanted to be. I'm not here just for fun. I'm not here just to speak to you make you feel better. If we absolutely cannot have revival, why am I here? Why are you here? If if there if the days of revival are over, what in the world is Jesus doing huh, delaying his return? Huh? Let me remind someone today in the book of Haggai, chapter 2 and verse 9. Huh, For the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, huh, saith the Lord. So let me talk to somebody huh, who may be concerned about the condition of the church, we're gonna be all right. Let me talk to somebody that don't believe we're living in revival, we're gonna be all right. Cause God's still pouring his spirit out upon all flesh. We have not seen the greatest of the revival that God has for the church. We have to remember one of the most important things, to have revival in your life is to make sure that you stay desperate for it. There is something powerful in someone who is desperate for something. I remember, I was a very desperate child. I, I'm probably 0 for 500 on winning a fist fight with my cousins. But I was a desperate little joker. I'd bite. Oh, i bit. wasn't no fair fights around my house. I bit, I scratched, I did everything. And eventually my cousins learned. To, it took a, When I got a little older, it took a little more for them to want to fight me because it wasn't ever a matter of fact that they couldn't whip me. That was obvious that they could whip me. I wasn't strong. I, I wasn't uh, fast. I, I, I wasn't just overpowering. But they started thinking about it. Hate say, oh, that makes me mad at JR, But And I know I can whip him, but I don't want to spend two hours doing it. Because I don't care how many. You see this big old elbow on my face right here, my nose. That thing's been broke so many times. It's had sinus surgeries. It's been hit with baseballs, fists, uh, uh, everything. And so my cousins eventually learned. They said, "You know what? Jr. is just too desperate. We can whip." I'd get back up, blood all over me, and I'd just get back in. Couldn't think straight. Couldn't see. And I'd mount back up. One of them clocked me in the back of the head. We was a rough group of children. And. Uh, I, I, I was desperate, and I, I got family members that are like that. Man, you have to kill them to beat them, and I've thought about killing them before. I'm thinking, man, how bad would they be missed because this sucker's desperate, and there's something that translated in the spiritual realm, there's something powerful in someone who is desperate, uh, someone who will do whatever it takes uh, to make sure they get to Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, uh, she crawled on the ground. Now we got to realize she didn't crawl on this clean carpet. I'm gonna be honest. She crawled in the street where everybody's nasty, stinking feet were. Where I mean, she she saw everybody, and in, in, in a day where everybody wore sandals, she probably spilt everybody's feet. She she was probably. Crawling through donkey do and crawling through people's spit. I mean, she was crawling on the ground to get to Jesus. And all of a sudden, she barely got to the hem of Jesus' garment. And he said, somebody touched me. Yes, and the disciple, uh, Peter, being his, I can probably see Peter, he's a fisherman. He's probably a redneck. He probably said, what do you mean somebody touched you, Jesus? There's 50,000 people here. Yeah, somebody touched you. Matter of fact, 50,000 people touched you. What do you mean? He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me because virtue left my body. You see, Jesus uh, can tell the difference in a touch uh, for a handout uh, and a touch from desperation. Uh, Jesus can tell the difference uh, when you're praying just to be going through the motion uh, or you're praying because you're desperate uh, for something to take place in your life. Uh, Church, you want to know the key to be blessed? you want to know the key to revival just stay desperate and never lose your need for God you know what causes backsliding more than drugs or alcohol or adultery people lose their need for Jesus they don't need him anymore and when you get to a place in your life where God isn't enough you're in a dangerous place we have to make sure that God is enough for us. And I've seen people, I've been, I've been guilty. They go, They get caught up in emotion and they lose their need for God. They aren't as desperate as they once were. They aren't as desperate because everything's going good, because they're blessed. Everything's going right and we lose our desperation. I'll tell you what will cause you to be desperate. Somebody comes to your house and tells you you're fixing to die. Ask Hezekiah, man of God, come, said, Hezekiah, you better get your house in order because you're fixing to die. How to make you desperate? How yes, to make you desperate? I tell you, people get desperate for God when they got type B flu in the hospital, much less if somebody said, You're fixing to die. I tell you what I'd do if he gave me that message. I'd go rack up a bunch of credit cards, go on scuba diving trips overseas, and then leave a bunch of debt to my family. But he said, Hezekiah, you better get your house in order, you are fixing to die. And Hezekiah. Began to remind the Lord, Lord, I've been faithful. And he said, for the grave cannot praise you. The death cannot celebrate you like I can. And then God God changed his mind. He told the man, I said, go back to Hezekiah. Tell him I'm going to add 15 years to his life. You know what's so ironic about this situation? What's ironic about it is Hezekiah, little old Hezekiah, caused God to change his mind. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a dollar amount. It wasn't a, a beg or a plea. It wasn't this or that. It was simply... God, that grave that you're about to put me in cannot praise you like I can if I'm breathing. And Hezekiah knew if there's one thing that God loves it's the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praises of Israel. Do you want to know what to get God's attention? More more, More than fancy words or nice things? Praise get God's attention. When somebody says, God, I'm going through a lot but I'm going to praise you anyway. I may not have no money right now but I'm going to praise you anyway. I may be sick in my body, but I'm going to praise you anyway. And there was a difference in routine praise. And I don't want to die praise. There was a difference in Hezekiah's normal week to week lifting of the hands. And Hezekiah turned from a strong man to a wine bag. Hezekiah's strong Next thing you know, Hezekiah, you're about to die. God! Oh, I've been faithful. He just got scared. I would too. You fix it, you make it to your house or you fix it to die. That's not what you want to hear in the morning. Hey, how are you? I'm just eating breakfast. You're about to die. Hang on, back up. Back up, man of God. Don't say that like it's just casually the weather, you know. I don't want to die. He reminded the Lord. He said, God, I'm desperate. I'll praise you better than that grave can praise you. When you get so desperate, when you get so desperate, there's something to be said through desperation. I'm already halfway through this mess. I'm telling you, I'm going to make up for this morning. Another thing we have to do is we have to declare revival. Declare things in your spiritual walk. Now, there's a difference in saying something and declaring something. I knew growing up when my mother, when she was just saying something to be saying it, Everybody, all you men know how you wives are. They Sometimes they just say stuff to be said, and you let it go in here and out there. Now, you wouldn't admit that, and don't look over like you are admitting that. But I knew the difference, and when my mother knew, usually when she was saying something, she'd just say it. But when she meant something, for some reason she would call me by my first and last name. She'd say, Jake Rogers, I mean it when I say it. And I knew there was a difference there. I knew I better listen. I knew I better do what she's about to say that I got to do. I remember... One time growing up, we all had dirt bikes. Now, I don't know who in the world uh, thought it was a good idea to purchase us five boys dirt bikes. I mean, you got to listen to our names. Our names are redneck enough to tell you don't give us a dirt bike. My cousin was Tyler. Everybody's got a tie Ty. Philip. everybody's got a Fifi. Colton, everybody's got a Colt. Now you want to know this one everybody's got everybody in this room if you ain't got one of these in your family you ain't living jack bubba (laughs) how many's got a bubba in your yes i'm at home bubba's name was david he hated the name david so and he hated the name four eyes he wore glasses nobody else did in those days and so he just went with bubba he went with bubba and so it was tyler colton philip bubba and me and i was the the advanced one although i was younger and I don't know who, whose idea was to buy us dirt bikes, but they did. And we all lived in the same neighborhood. And uh, they wondered why some of, my family, some of my cousins failed the fifth grade and they never went to school. We had too much to do to go to school. We had skateboards and dirt bikes. And we, we just had everything we needed. Weed eaters. We had lawnmowers to ride up and down the road. And uh, so one day my mother leaves for work. Now, I know it's a lot different now. I know it's a, lot, it's a lot different now than it was when I was younger. But I started standing on home by myself when I was like seven. I remember not being able to reach the ramen noodles when I was hungry, waiting on my mom to get on so she cooked me something to eat. And so my, we was out of school for some reason that day. And um, Tyler and Phillip were probably out whether it was legal or not. And uh, we were out of school that day. My mother had to go to work. She said, Jake, I'm going to work. So-and-so's on the bar, yada, yada, yada. I mean this when I say this. Don't ride your dirt bike on the main road because you are wreck." And get her, don't you ride your dirt bike on the blacktop. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, Jake, look at me. I don't care what your ignorant cousin Tyler tells you to do. Do not put your dirt bike on the blacktop. So Tyler, Phillip, roll out of bed that day. Bubba's there. Colton's there. We're all there. We're tired of playing kickball 100 days in a row. So we decided to ride our dirt bikes. And I said, where are we going? They said, we're going to Nathan's house. And I said, don't you have to go on the blacktop to go to Nathan's house? said yeah 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 we would be all right I said well see there's there's a problem my mother said to not ride on the blacktop and of course Tyler did his thing Jake you cannot be scared your whole life what your mother does not know does not hurt her and I stood there the young naive kid I was and said you know what you are my elder and I must obey you in this moment and so we went riding the dirt bikes. I'm getting somewhere. I'm pulling a message out of this somewhere. Bear with me. I don't know where yet, but I'm we're gonna pull a message out of it. And so we ride dirt bikes. We pull over to take a break, get something to drink out of our backpacks, whatever we're doing. And uh, we get back on dirt bikes. And I hit a gear and I popped the clutch. And I mean, I just ran. I just wham. And something stalled Philip in front of me. I was looking down at my gear, and I hit Philip. And when I say hit him, I hit him. I was, I mean, hit him harder than I ever imagined. I was kind of happy about it after everything was okay. And I hit him. And Philip is cussing and screaming, calling me everything but a child of God. We're fixing fist fight right there in the highway. And uh, Bubba's done chimed in. And and we're sitting out there. And it it hurt me. It really did. It hurt me. I I hit him and fell off my bike. And, man, it scratched and bruised. and, And, I mean, I was hurt. And that night. My mother got home, I was trying to limp around like nothing was wrong. I was, trying, I was going to try to convince her that I just got whipped like I do every day by them or something. And I was just kind of limping around and trying to get around. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, Tyler scissor kicked me today in the side of the knee and, and I'm just hurting. So she finally came in there and she said, you rode your dirt bike on the pavement, didn't you? And there's something that I'm horrible at to this day and that is lying. I'll rob a bank with you, but you better hope I'm not the one that gets caught. Now, I won't snitch on nobody else, but I'm very good at snitching on myself. They Did you rob that bank? No. Did you rob that bank? Yes, I robbed the bank. How many times are you going to ask me? And that's how I was. She said, you rode it on the dirt bike. Don't you lie to me. I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And I hit Philip, and we had a wreck, and I'm hurting, mama. And she looked at me. She said, I told you not to do it. That's what you get. Boom, slammed the door. Didn't even offer me no porn. <laughs> and she was so set on that because she said, I told you when I left, I declared... There were no ifs, ands, and buts about it. There were no discussions. Uh, There was no debate. There was no argument. And there's something about the writer that said, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. He wasn't just saying that. He was declaring that. Uh, As for me and my house, we're going to serve him in the good times, uh, and we're going to serve him in the bad times. Uh, We're going to serve him when everything's going good, uh, and we're going to serve him when my kids don't think it's cool to serve him. We're going to serve him on the mountain, uh, and we're going to serve him in the valley. Church we have to get to a place where we say no matter what's happening in my life I will serve the Lord so let the storm rage I'm serving the Lord let people talk about me I'm serving the Lord let sickness hit my body I'm serving the Lord whatever it takes I will serve the Lord ask yourself the question this evening why not me why not now? I know a lot of people desperate for revival, but not desperate to do anything about it. Going back to when I was growing up, something I could not stand was somebody talking about somebody and how bad they wanted to fight that person, how bad they couldn't stand that person. I'm saying, why are you telling me? I was a provoker, and I get paid back for it. I was a provoker. I have to watch it now because they'd start bickering in a volleyball game or something at my reunion, and somebody would say something. I'd say, don't you let her talk. you a grown woman. You have children of your own. You pay your own bills. She ain't talking to me like that if I'm you. know. that's just me. That's just me. But I know a lot of people talk about we need this in the church. I wish somebody would do this. And I wish somebody, why not you? Why not now? Why wish somebody teach Bible studies? What are you waiting on? You know what it takes to teach a Bible study? The ability to read well I wish somebody would would do more cleaning at the church why not you why not now I wish somebody would spend more time in prayer why not me why not now church you are just as much equipped and just as much as qualified as any preacher that's ever stood behind a pulpit if you are baptized in the name of Jesus and you've received the Holy Ghost you are just as qualified as Peter, James, John Paul you are just as qualified so before we leave if there's something we want to happen in our lives, guess what? We've got to take action to do it. Nobody can receive your miracle but you. If I go, if I go to, if, if I go to your job and I go there on a Friday, and I say, What's your name, brother? Brother Avery. I said, I said, oh, I need Brother Avery's check. Just, if I go to HR and say, I need Brother Avery's check for this week, they're going to look at me like an idiot. Now, I'm, now, I will go get it. We will try this. A-V-E-R-Y. Ah, the endorsement wouldn't work. If I said, I need Brother Avery's check, they're going to say, uh, we're not giving you that. And I'm going to say, why? They're going to say, uh, because you're not Avery. Because you didn't work 40 hours for it. You didn't show up every morning and every 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 overtime hour. You you don't get this check. Same thing in life. Same thing spiritually. Why are we wanting somebody else to make the move for our miracle? Why are we want somebody else to make the move for our children? Why are we want somebody else to stand in the gap for our family members? Why are we want somebody else uh, to try to win our coworkers? Why not me? Uh, why not now? Another thing this evening. We've just got to remember to have faith, something as simple as faith. It's easy to lose your faith in life, very easy. The enemy, uh, the, the number one thing the enemy wants to take from you is your faith because when he fought Job, he took everything away from Job, but he never got to Job's faith, and that's what kept Job standing. So he knows that if you're faithful, he can take things from you. He can throw trials at you. But if, if he gets to your faith, he's your hook, line, sinker, you're gone. If he gets to your faith, you're gone. It's important, church, that we hold on to our faith. Do you know what's gotten the apostolic church this far? It was faith. The belief... That if we show up, God's going to be there. He's omnipresent. And he promised he'd pour pour his spirit out upon all flesh. That's what's gotten the church. Uh, Preachers showed up when they didn't have a message to preach. Uh, Saints showed up when they were tired. Uh, They showed up when they didn't feel like it. Uh, They prayed when they didn't feel like it. Because they had the faith uh, that God is able to do exceeding, abundant, uh, and above all we could ask or even think. Uh, And they truly believed uh, that he's the same yesterday, today, and Forever, and if he healed the blinded eyes then uh, he'll do it today they have the faith for the miraculous to take place there has to be faith in the room has to be faith in the room Matthew chapter 9 and verse 24 says and he this is Jesus and he said unto them give place for the mate is not dead but sleepeth and they laughed him to scorn there was a dead body they wanted it. Jesus was about to raise the dead. And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead. Here's what the New Living translation of that verse says This is Jesus. This is not me, so don't get mad. Get out! Well, not my Jesus. That's, yeah, that's yours. That's the only one Jesus. Same one. Get out, he told them. She ain't dead, she's only asleep. What was Jesus saying? I necessarily don't want you to get out of here, but if your negative attitude can't leave without your body, then your body's got to go too. Because there's one thing that's crept into the generation of the church like never before, and that is negativity and doubt. Oh, I need God to do this, but. You know what the enemy loves to use? Statistics. The enemy loves to use reality. Now, you're looking at a reality individual. I believe in reality. I'm not one of the, I, I have faith, I need more. Because I'm that person that's like, David, I just don't. I'm that guy telling David when he's getting his slingshot and five stones ready, David, this is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, well, I got the Lord on my side. I understand that. But this is a very poor decision you're making, David. You will, without effect, without any doubt, you will die. Do you see the size of that man standing in that valley, David? Have you looked in a mirror lately, David? Go back, get you some more cheese and crackers, bring them back, and we'll discuss this over dinner because you're an idiot if you go down there. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm that reality guy. I'm that, uh, if I was a Bible cake, you probably would never heard of me. You'd probably think I was Dalton Thomas' nephew. Because I'd have been like, David, that's not a good idea. Paul, that's not a good idea. When Paul and Silas were singing at the midnight hour, I'd say, Paul, you're off key. Silas, you stink at singing. Shut up. Let's serve our time and get out of here. And sometimes that's what's crept into this negativity and doubt. Church, if you are a negative person, I encourage you before you leave to change. (laughs) People love me for who I am. They might not. If you are constantly negative, they may love you, they don't like you. Because I have been around people, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus' name baptized, tithe paying Sunday school teaching gurus, and are the most negative individuals. There have been times I have been riding in a vehicle with Holy Ghost filled people and I have had a conversation with God. God, if I were to jump out of this moving vehicle, I'll take a broken leg if you promise me I won't die I'll jump out right now and that'll be a testimony man jumps out of moving car at 65 what caused you to jump out sir my doubting cousin in the driver's seat Come on, church! If we're Holy Ghost filled, there's no need for us doubting all the time and speaking. Can I tell you the honest truth about someone that don't has the Holy Ghost, don't have the Holy Ghost, and you do have the Holy Ghost, but you're sitting there and you're constantly negative and you're constantly complaining? That does not intrigue them to get what you got. Matter of fact, they probably they're probably thinking, man, she needs some of the drugs that I'm on, because this Holy Ghost ain't doing it for her man he needs, some of these, he needs some of these pills I'm thinking because this Holy Ghost has got him more mad than he was before he ever got, I'm being honest tonight uh, I have been in rooms with apostolic people uh, and they have nothing good to say about nothing or no one if you're negative, uh, be negative to yourself uh, I don't want to hear it, sinners don't want to hear it uh, we've got to learn that in the church, uh, even if we're having a bad day, uh, try, speak like you're having a good one uh, if you got to tell a story every now and when you're having a bad day and you still say it's the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it that's all right. I'd rather you lie to me than hear your negative junk all day and that's what Jesus said Jesus said I'm about to perform a miracle and I need you negative naysayers to go out that door now y'all wait on me because there's one in here breathing when I get done there's going to be two in here breathing I'm going to raise her she's only asleep how many times church Has our negativity stood in the way of our miracle? How many times has our doubt stood in the way of our miracle? Because there's a lot of things in our life that the enemy tells us is dead and God says it's only asleep. And oftentimes, I have been guilty. We listen to the enemy. We listen to the enemy because the enemy uses reality. Oh, God's going to heal me of cancer. Well, only 13% survive this type of cancer. Well, my... My backslidden children—they're going to come back home and pray through at an altar. Well, they already done it twenty times, and they keep backsliding and doing this. That's what the enemy does—he gets in your ear, he gets in your ear with reality, he gets in your ear with doubt, and that's something hard to overcome. But church, sometimes you just got you got to lie to yourself. I do that all the time. Everything's falling apart, and I'd be like, "Man, it's a good life." <laughs> I used to—I used to wake up in the morning and be like, "Oh my goodness, everything's falling apart. My, they finna come repo my truck." They finna do everything, and I will just shine on me sunshine, walk with me world, skippity dee doo da day. I got a lot of myself. Because sometimes you got to push past reality and step into the realm of faith. I know I'm sick right now, but my God, now, He wasn't a healer. He is a healer. He's omnipresent. He's all knowing. I'm sick in my body, but guess what? It's a good day to live for God, and He's going to heal me. Well, my family isn't saved, but I know a God that He ain't a might or maybe. He is going to save them, devil. I know you told me this situation was dead, but you know my God like I. I know my God, and he is able. Able. Let me give you some hope. Musicians come. I'm telling you, I'm cutting it short. Somebody tell me you love me. Thank y'all so, so much. See, sometimes you got to lie, like y'all just did. Genesis chapter 45, our opening scripture. We get to a portion where Jacob hears the news. That Joseph is alive. His other sons come to him, and say, "Dad, Dad, Joseph is yet alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt." Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Do you blame Jacob? Let's be realistic. Do you do you blame Jacob because Jacob's saying all those sleepless nights, all of the tears I've cried, all of the asking God why? Why would you take the Bible says Joseph was the youngest son, therefore he was. The favorite son. He was his father. Why would you take my favorite boy? Why would you take my prime? Why would you take my dreamer from me? Why would you take this? All these years. I don't believe it. Now that I'm old, now that I'm about to die, you're gonna tell me what I lost is alive. Not only that, let's let's just let's just clear the room. You are the ones that told me he was dead. Matter of fact, You, the same individuals that's telling me he's alive are the same individuals that brought me the bloody coat. The same individuals that told me Joseph was dead. Not only that, but you're telling me he's a multimillionaire? Well, how do you know that? He was governor over all the land of Egypt in a very prosperous time for Egypt. I highly doubt he was broke. You're telling me he's got money, he's governor over all the land. I just... I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry, the spirit of Jacob revived. Now you got to understand what the spirit of Jacob is. The spirit of Jacob is a very stubborn spirit. A very, I'm not leaving here till you bless me. That's a better word for it. Nobody in here needs to be stubborn. Determined. He was very dead set on what he wanted. He was, very, he was so dead set on what he wanted that he would fight an angel. There I am again in the corner going, Jacob, that is a very bad idea. I like the name Jacob. We can call you Jake. Deceiver's not so bad. I don't think it's worth wrestling with an angel, but Jacob said, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving here until something gets rearranged. Jacob, that is an angel. <laughs> that that you're gonna get whipped, son. There's just no way around it. No, I, I'm not leaving. So that Jacob mentality, that Jacob spirit, was a fighter. A a uh, I'm not leaving here till I get what I came for. That was Jacob's determ- determination. And if you notice something about Jacob, if you were around Jacob in those days, you would notice Jacob, uh, to my knowledge, would walk with a limp kind of staggered around a little bit. Uh, Because during that wrestling match with an angel, Jacob's hip was broken, knocked out of alignment. They didn't have hip replacements in in modern surgery, so I would assume that his hip grew back incorrectly, causing one leg to probably be longer than the other. He probably stood funny. He, He walked with a limp. So Jacob was constantly reminded of the day he wrestled with an angel for the rest of his life. Every time it rained outside and he woke up with a sore hip, he was reminded. Every time it was cold and his hip would begin to ache, he was reminded. But here's something about Jacob that I respect. He never complained about that injury. Never complained about the limp. Because that day that he got a limp, he also got a name change. Church, we've got to realize that some of your greatest blessings will cost you something. You may limp for the rest of your life. You may ache every time it gets cold. But you got to overlook the limp and focus on the miraculous. You got to focus. Jacob said, ah, He could have took my whole leg for all I cared. I ain't, I'm not, I'm Israel. Because that day said, you shall no longer be Jacob but Israel, no longer a deceiver, but a nation. And church, sometimes we, we focus too much on what happened, what went wrong well, I did get my name changed, but I got a limp the rest of my life. I got what I came for, but I got to walk with the cane. Jacob said, I don't care. I got what I came for. So when the spirit of Jacob revived, that determination revived, that, you know what, before I die, we're going to go to Egypt, and I'm going to see my boy. Before I die, we're gonna to go to Egypt. I'm gonna limp all the way to Egypt. And I'm gonna see him. The Bible says the spirit of Jacob revived, and Israel said something about the nation. The nation cannot be unlocked until the spirit of the man's revived. Every one of us in this room this evening have a nation birthed inside of us. I don't care what your family tells you I don't care what your past says I don't care what the county courthouse records show when you were filled with God's spirit you got a name change no longer Saul but Paul no longer Simon but Peter no longer Jacob but Israel God said you're no longer what you used to be but I'm going to give you a name change I'm going to take you from drug addict to Sunday school teacher I'm going to take you from strung out to lay minister I'm going to take you from I'm going to take you from the bottom of the bottle to speak it into someone's life. Everybody gets a name change when they're saved by grace. But I've seen a lot of nations be trapped inside because the Spirit can't get revived. I've seen a lot of people, that nation, that Israel is ready to erupt. It's ready to come out. It's ready to change lives. It's ready to win the world but they're too negative to let the nation out they're too doubtful to let the nation Israel could have never spoke if Jacob said ah he's dead I'm just going to live with that Israel would have never spoke but when the spirit of Jacob revived God said now you're Israel now you are what I wanted you to be because you've been trapped up in Jacob because when I I guarantee you when Jacob got done wrestling with that angel that day he went back to town everybody said you're still Jacob I bet you everybody at work still called him Jacob I bet you everybody in town still called him Jacob. Do you know people in my hometown still label me with what I used to be? All the time. You know why? Because they don't bring up anything about now. They bring up the used to's. John, you remember we used to do this, this and that? People still identify me with what I used to be. I bet you everybody still identified with Israel as Jacob. Hey, Jacob, how you doing, Jacob? And this whole time he's thinking, I'm Israel. I'm Israel. God's saying, not yet. Until Jacob can be revived, until Jacob can do what he's called to do, Israel can't speak. Can we stand this evening? There's a nation inside of you. Listen to me tonight. I don't care. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what mistakes you've made. There's a nation inside of you. Each and every every head bowed, eye closed. There's a nation inside of you. Sister, brother, there's a nation inside of you. God wants to use you on a level that you never could imagine He could use you. Let me talk to you. I'm not just preaching to young people. I'm talking to some to some of the elders in the church that feel like, oh God couldn't use me for nothing else I'm I'm retired, my race is run no, if you're breathing, you're here for a purpose God's not going to leave you here wasting up good oxygen if you are here, you are here for a divine reason there's a nation inside of you there's an Israel dying to get out but Israel can't get out through negativity Israel can't get out through a bad attitude Israel can't get out. I'm being honest with you tonight, church. Israel can't get out with bitterness. Israel can't get out with pride. Sometimes I preach this morning, our greatest miracles are being on hold because of us. I want you to take self-inventory. How negative have you been lately? You wonder why your family isn't coming. We got people in our church live for God 25 years, raise their children in the house of God. Raise their children in truth. And now their children aren't living for God and they wonder why. But the whole time when they would get home from church, the parents would run down the ministry. The parents would talk about how everything was going wrong and nothing was going right. And now they wonder why they don't want nothing to do with the church. Because you can wear a skirt, you can grow your hair. You can fix it, you can look nice, man. You can do whatever you want to do. You can talk the talk. You can can do whatever you want to do. But if you're sowing bad seed... Oh, I'm apostolic to the core, but when you get home, your six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old children talk here. You talk about how bad things are going at the church and how they're not doing this right or how they're not got. They don't have this together. Church, your children listen to you. People listen to you more than you think. I know two-year-olds can operate an iPhone better than I can. They listen to your words. They pick up on what's negative and what's positive. From this day forward, we've got to learn to speak life into every situation. Jesus spoke life. Some of us, before we leave, we need to do what Jesus did and say, get out. Negativity, you're going to have to get out. Doubt, you're going to have to get out. Bad attitude, you're going to have to get out. Because the things in my life that you're telling me are dead, God said they're only asleep. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I think it was November I was preaching in uh, central Mississippi east Mississippi and Brother Miracle the pastor stood up with a $100 bill and he said who needs $100 come get it and nobody moved and I'm back behind him shaking like Whoo. I'm like a dog waiting on a bacon strip he said who needs this $100 I'm thinking I just preached I don't need to go up here and snag a $100 dollars it make me look awful money hungry Who needs this $100 bill? It's Christmas. It's going to be Christmas time. Nobody moved. He stuck the $100 bill back in his wallet, put it in his pocket, and said, I was seriously going to give that $100 bill to whoever come and got it. He said, isn't that like God? I got you miracle. I've got you blessing. I've got what you need. But we just sit there waiting on him to bring it to us. I got, I got everything you need in the palm of my hand. And we sit there waiting on him to give it to us. How desperate are you for the nation to speak? Let me ask you that tonight. How de- if I told you right now to run plumb to my hotel one town away and run back. And when you got back, everybody in your family would be Holy Ghost filled. I guarantee you, some of y'all would run. If Jesus said, I'll tell you what, if you're running three and a half miles that way and three and a half miles back, every single person in your office building is going to be saved. I guarantee you'd do it. I got news for you. You can do it without running seven miles. How desperate are you tonight? How desperate? I want you to take self-inventory. Have you lost your need for Christ? Have you forgotten about where He brought you from? Have you forgotten when you were strung out? Have you forgotten when you were suicidal? Have you forgotten when none of your bills were being paid, but now you're so blessed and now God's opened up the windows of heaven? It's easy to get caught up in routine. Very easy. I'm not condemning you for that. Very easy. Take self-inventory tonight. I'm ready for the nation to speak in my life. I'm tired of Jacob talking. God's done gave me Israel. What in the world is Jacob still doing talking? I'm ready to hear Israel speak. If you're desperate for something from God for your family or yourself, I'm going to encourage you to come to the front tonight. Find you a place to pray. I know you want to pray where you're seated, and that's fine. But I feel led in the Spirit. God said, if you want something, do something a little different. Show God how bad you want it. I remember growing up, if we wanted to show our coach how bad we wanted to start, we didn't just show up during regular practice hours. We showed up at 10 o'clock at night and 5 o'clock in the morning. I remember shooting 500 three-pointers and 250 to 300 free throws before I was allowed to go home because I wanted to show them how bad I wanted something. God standing with your miracle. God standing with your revival. How bad do you want it? Bad enough to be a Hezekiah and plea for it? Hezekiah wasn't praising God like he should have and God said he's better dead but when Hezekiah said oh no I'm not I'm better alive why are you better alive? Because I can praise you better alive than I can dead and God said that's all I needed why don't somebody step up this evening and say that God I'm going to be worth so much more alive than I would be dead The day a nation spoke changed Jacob's life forever. Jacob went on to die knowing his son Joseph was alive. Jacob's going to judgment day knowing that Joseph was alive the whole time. Be revived tonight, Jacob, so that Israel can speak. If you don't get revived, there's people that may not ever get saved in your family. Come on, we need to be revived.